intro music and I'll cue you in when uh, when it's time. Here comes the intro music. They said it couldn't be done. They said it wouldn't last. White man, black man, America F1. America F1 coming to you straight from San Francisco, California. Sherman Tillman, Michael Lawler. America F1. Like hell I don't. Like hell I don't. Like hell I don't. Like hell I don't. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of America F1. Today we have a special guest host, PJ Feminia, because Mike's uh, under the weather and, you know, it's Thanksgiving time. But what a time to get sick, huh, PJ? Yeah. I mean, we got the Las Vegas Grand Prix to review. What a yin and yang. I mean, what a race. But the logistics... Oh, no, it was horrible. Did you get to see uh, the first practice, PJ, and how the Carlos Sainz's car got destroyed? Yeah, I'm a diehard science fan, so that uh, they hit me pretty hard. But I did see it, how you know, the manhole cover just came flying up and you know destroyed his car and gave him the, you know, the most unfair penalty of all time. Now, do you think he really should have got a penalty there? I mean, he had nothing to do with it. The team had nothing to do with it. It's 100% on the circuit. Yeah, 100% no on the penalty. I think he should have, they should have totally just made an exception for him right there. Because he would have got a front row anyways without the, without the penalty. Yeah, I mean, and he had really good pace considering where he started. I mean, the Ferraris showed really good pace that day. And... Before we go on, I want to say hello to Donna, and I also want to say hello and a shout out to Anthony King. If you need a Ferrari and you're in California and you're close to Rancho Mirage, go to Anthony King. at He's a great Ferrari dealer down there, and he's going to take care of you. If you're really interested in a Ferrari, just put it down in the comments. I'll send you his information. We don't want to do that over the air, but you can... Go to Rancho Mirage or under Rancho RanchoCucamonga.FerrariDealerships.com. All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about the logistics. You know it was our 28th anniversary there, PJ? Wow. My wife and I flew down to Las Vegas. We were, it was her first race. This was her first race she's ever gone to. And we were so excited the staff had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> and when I mean they had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. They had no idea. So we were standing in line. We got there early. We figured out how to get there. It took us, you know, a little time. You know, when you first get to some place, you kind of lost. So we get to where we're supposed to be and which was the Harmon section. The guard told us, no, you're at the wrong place. You got to walk down this way and all the way around because all the streets are close. Two miles. Guess where we ended up, PJ? I don't know, Caesar's Palace. We ended up right back where we started from. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we walked. <laughs> we're on our anniversary. 
We walked two miles. We ended up right back where we started from. And then some young lady says, oh, yeah, they opened the gate right here at six o'clock. And I said, well, you know, your comrades across the street have no idea where the gate is. Maybe you should go inform them because if they told us we were in the wrong spot, they probably told 20, 30 other people they're in the wrong spot. It just blew my mind. What else is bad? Okay, so during the race, typically when you go to a race, the ushers, one, they look at your ticket to make sure you're in the right section. Two, they make sure people don't stand in the aisles so everyone can see. Three, if people are standing up in excessively, like in lap 15, they're still standing up using their cameras and video. They tell them to sit down. You know what they did at the Las Vegas Grand Prix, PJ? What told them to stand up? They didn't do anything. They didn't check your tickets. Matter of fact, during the race, you could never see them. They never stood around to see if the crowd was okay, if there was any injuries, to direct people, at least not in my section. So for the his, the Mexican fans were there for Checo, and they stood up pretty much for the almost the entire race. And I had to verbally stand up with this other gentleman and say, sit down. If you all sit down, we can all see. Because there were so many new fans at this race. And since Las Vegas is really close to L.A., they had a, a huge Checo uh conglomerate out there i mean there were everywhere which made the race very festive and they were singing for checo and he had a great race but for us sitting in the stands it got kind of annoying you ever been to a concert like that pj uh yeah i've never been to an f1 race yet you know i really plan on going to vegas next year hopefully since it's the closest race you know to california yeah, it's right. I mean, it, it literally took us an hour and 10 minutes to get there. But the crazy thing about it is not only is it close, but it's the most expensive race ever. It costs three times as much than it cost me to go to Monaco, which is all the way across in Europe. So something in my own backyard cost me three times. It was a total money money run. There's a lot of things that Las Vegas can do to fix how... The viewing experience was. We can talk about that later. But let's get right down to a most exciting Las Vegas Grand Prix. Would you think, is that the most exciting race of the season? No, for me, it's it's going to be Singapore. Oh, still. Singapore is a favorite race of the season because, you know, my favorite driver won. And it's the only race that Red Bull didn't win. And it was actually really entertaining to watch from start to finish. Especially those last laps, right? Those last like five, six laps where they're just going back and forth and science has him. He's keeping him. I'm keeping him in the DRS because, you know, that way he can't pass me. So he he had the perfect strategy. He had the perfect race. That was the race where Russell went off and Hamilton passed him because of all the pressure that Hamilton was giving Russell. That's why I really like that race. Because, yeah, Russell, you know. <laughs> like, I'm starting to get concerned about Russell. Like, he's, this season, he really hasn't shown anything. Like, he's nowhere near Hamilton. He's nowhere near Science, like, 
or even, you know, Lando or Charles. He's just like out of all the top drivers, he's been the worst this season, in my opinion. By far. I mean, he's had great qualifying. I think him and Hamilton are actually tied. So whoever wins the qualifying battle at this next race in Adunabi uh, will be the qualifying, will have the qualifying lead between the teammates. But Hamilton has just destroyed him in race pace and destroyed him as far as Sunday. Yeah, he's also just, he's kind of crumbled under pressure similar. Well, Checo's gotten better, but like, um, like in Canada, he made that silly mistake this year, and then he went straight on in Singapore, and then he made another dumb mistake in Vegas, crashing into Max. So like he's just doing all these little silly crashes, like here and there. And he says that he never knew Max was there because he never checked his mirrors, and the reason why he never checked his mirrors is because he didn't expect anybody to pass there. Well, he's he's notorious for doing stuff like that. He's like. I think last year he drove into Checo, he drove into Mick and like, you know, Mick Schumacher. And he's just like, oh, they just drove into me or whatever. He he loves to do that. That's like his favorite, his signature move. (laughs) You know what? That is his, every time on the radio, that's what he says. What a big baby. I mean, he's all, I think he even, didn't he drive into science at the U.S. Grand Prix last year? Yeah, he just just turned in on me is what he said, like. He drove, yeah, he drove into science when he was on pole at last year's uh, uh, Austin, Texas Grand Prix. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, I had, when he joined, I had such great hopes for Russell, but I kind of like, I mean, I want Bottas back, to be honest. I like Valtteri. I mean, I don't know if it's his smugness and his always complaining, saying it's somebody else's fault, and, or... If it's his, I want to beat anybody, everybody, but really, I just want to beat Lewis. As long as I'm ahead of Lewis, I don't care about anything else. And he's, in my opinion, he's the reason why Ferrari, who is so far back, is right up on Mercedes heels. Whoever wins this last, whoever has the highest placing in this last race are going to have second in the Constructors Championship. Kind of, he's laying an egg, you know? Yeah, like he, I think it was, what was it, Qatar or something that him and Lewis, they collided. And he loves to always complain whenever they're fighting. It's like, oh, we're going to work together. We're just going to fight. He loves to always talk about that because he he wants to be the number one driver so bad. So bad. You know, I describe him as Max without the talent. He's got talent for sure. He's just, he's trying to prove himself. He's trying to way too hard right now. That's, That's what he's doing. Yeah, he needs to just chill out. I, huh? think, I think he's huh? just pushing like, kind of like Checo was for about 10 races. He's, he just feels the pressure so much. And I think if he just let things come to him, be more relaxed and learn. Be, be honest with yourself. You're up against a seven-time world champion. You are not better than him. There's levels to this game. Sit back, relax, learn, and just have a nice race and he has sometimes i think race pace what he doesn't have that obviously hamilton alonzo and verstappen have is he doesn't really know how to i'd say manage his tires to the degree that those other three do what do you think yeah i just think he doesn't he's he's way more accident prone than than you said the three world champions he doesn't doesn't have patience doesn't have experience that's that's his issue um, 
But he does have experience, right? Because he, he raced for Williams for all those years. It's not like he's a rookie. And he was with no, the no, team yeah. last he, year. He's got plenty of experience. He just doesn't have like, he only has, this is only his second season racing for a top team. You know what I mean? What made this race so great? There were so many passes. Not only was there so many passes, I think there was two safety cars. There was also two... um, We also had two... Crashes up in the front right at the start of the race where Alonzo spins because it's so icy or his tires were so cold. He just spun on his own. And unfortunately, uh, Lando Norris had that big shunt and I was really, at for a second, I, it was, when you were there, it was a huge crash. And I was just hoping that he was okay, and he was. But over the radio, the first couple minutes when they were asking if he was okay, you know, he, he, he was just breathing hard, and he didn't answer. And I was like, oh, man. this I hope this is not one of those Dale Earnhardt things where somebody hits into a crash, but it's more of the crushing force that makes him injured. Did you, I mean, what did you think when you saw that crash? I mean, I knew he was going to be okay. I mean, I've seen ever, if you ever the Joe Guan Yu crash in Silverstone, he walked away from that. I was like, okay. Like, these cars are way more safe than people realize. That, but, I mean, any, any that crash, crash was terrifying. Crash. Oh, what, the Joe Guan Yu? Oh, one? he was up and yeah. over, up and over the barrier and into that little, he balled up like he was in a trash compactor. Yeah, like if these cars are just beyond huh? safe, like he he just walked away from that unscathed. So it's like, you know, it it's a, it would take it it take like the Grosjean crash to kill someone again, but he, even he walked away from that. So which was amazing. Yeah, man on fire. Verstappen got passed on track by Leclerc. When he did that, and he had the five-second penalty, I thought it was going to be game over, man. Game over. But these damn penalty cars. I mean, to win the championship, you got to be good. You have to have a good team. You have to have good pit stops and good strategy. But you also have a lot of luck to win win one of these championships. Max didn't need it this year. I mean, winning pretty much every race of the season, 18 out of 20, or... To tie him now with Vettel, I think it's uh, 53 wins. I mean, how amazing is that? This guy, basically in three years, has got 50, 50, 53 wins. And he's tied with Sebastian Vettel for number three on the all-time list. The only people ahead of him are obviously Hamilton and Schumacher. Which, if this car stays the way it is for the next couple of years, I mean... And this guy, he could have 120, 125 wins before his uh, career is over. Yeah, I just, I just hope to God that this doesn't continue because I don't know how much more the fans can take of the Dutch national anthem every single weekend. Because, <laughs> like, you know, even in the past, we've had you know, domination from Schumacher, from Lewis, from, you know, Senna, Frost, right? But, like, even with an exception, you know, the Senna-Frost days were complete domination, but, like, the most recent domination of Lewis, there was there were still, like, other race winners. There was still competition, like Vettel. There was Rosberg, right? 
this has just been like on a whole new level. It's just there's no chance of anyone else winning the championship. You know, the exception of science, that's, that's really been it. It's just been Red Bull after Red Bull after Red Bull after Red Bull. What made this race different, though, is not only did Leclerc pass him on track, Perez passed Leclerc on track, then Verstappen passed both of them on track, then Perez passed Leclerc on track for second place, and then on the last lap, Charles passes Perez. And that, I mean, the fans just erupted. You haven't seen battles like this at the front all year. Yeah, that's what we've been needing is is like actually a duel between, you know, Charles and Max and Checo. Like I remember watching last year, I think it was Bahrain and Saudi when Ferrari was like back again. Watching Max and Charles actually duel, it was so entertaining. And then, you know, Ferrari happened that season and then it was over. You know, they doing their clown strategies. And then the title fight. (laughs) Speaking of clown strategy, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but like on lap 12, they're telling Carlos Sainz to park the car. Like, you're overheating too much. Just park the car. And he's like, no. (laughs) Do you remember that? (laughs) Yeah, they were like, stop the car, stop the car. We need to cool the car. And he's just like, no. And he had to just pass Daniel Ricardo just to get some fresh air. And then once he was past him, it was fine. But I don't know what. Sometimes I wonder what the Ferrari pit ball is watching sometimes. You know, they don't even look like they're even watching their own race half the time. I, they would do better just watching it on TV like Sky or F1 TV or even ESPN and just listening to the commentators and doing what they say because they have to have somebody listening to the feed because sometimes... You just wonder, did they just pick these people up off the street and they have all these computers? They have all, you know, they know what every car is doing, what every lap time is, how the graining is going on all the tires. And they still can't figure it out. I just sometimes I just wonder. I wonder, wonder, one. Oh, who does the strategy for Ferrari? Well, Mercedes is also starting to get like that, too. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there. All right. We're going to talk about all this stuff. Let's get into it. Let's go to our 10 to 1 where we talk about who came in 10th place. And then usually Mike rats and talks about them and says how bad they are. But now today we have PJ. So he might take Mike's place and say how bad they are. Or he might do something different. He may actually have something nice to say about some of these teams. We don't know. It's PJ's first time. He's in a hard spot today. He's actually co-hosting with me because Mike doesn't feel well because it's Thanksgiving week. And so PJ was just going to be on the show as a guest. But now he's taken over the co-host of Merrick F1 for the Las Vegas Review. And here we go. PJ's on the spot. Is he ready? In 10th place, Oscar Piastri. We call him Pastrami on this show, but he had a fairly good race. If it wasn't for that little crash with Lewis and his the puncture and he had to go and change his wing, he probably would have even finished even better. What do you think, PJ? Yeah, I think... Oscar had a very 
extreme race. Like it was just super high, super low, right? Like he was up in the like what was it P four or P three for a while? Yeah, yeah, he's P three for a while. Yeah, like then he he his team they put him on hards twice, which is what screwed him over. If they just put him on a medium to start, he would have uh you know he was just pitted one time would have been good. He probably would have finished P four P five. Yeah, he had great pace, but you know the one thing he, here again he has a racing incident with Lewis, and last time I think it was Lewis's fault and Lewis admitted it, but this time Oscar just tried to Lewis is passing him on the inside, and he just turned in too early. He just it was. In my opinion, it was a clumsy mistake. He just let Lewis go, pull in right behind him, maybe get him on the DRS. But Lewis had great pace. I doubt it. I mean, he passed like 15 cars that race um, without, you know, the safety car and all the things that happened during the race, which we'll talk about when we get to Mercedes. He probably would have been on the podium. That's how great a pace, like at the actual race he had. Um, But Oscar, I I just think, you know... He's a rookie. He's going to get it. He hasn't had as many crashes as most rookies have their first year. I think he's had an incredible first year for McLaren, and he has a lot of promise. And some people say he's a future world champion, but I don't know if anyone's going to be a future world champion as long as Red Bull has this downforce and this insane car. Probably the best car ever in Formula One. I thought the 2004 Ferrari was going to be the all-time greatest car, but there's no doubt in my mind or in anyone else's mind that the 2023 Red Bull car with Max Verstappen is the best car of all time. PJ? Yeah, everyone thought probably you know, the 2004 Ferrari or the you know the McLaren Honda was the, the best car of all time, but it's no... You can't argue with this, with this season, so this, this cements that car as the most dominant car of all time. The other teammate for McLaren, Lando Norris, had that we talked about it earlier. Had a crash. He, I thought his pace was okay. Just looked like you know the, the tires. He just couldn't fire up those tires fast enough. They were cold, as icy, and he just kind of lost it. He tried to recover. Looked like he was about to recover um, on 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 the uh, his wheels spinning out and kind of fishtailing. But then he, I think he over-recovered, and then it was too late. He was just a passenger. He hit the wall, and the, the rest is history. And it's great that he's okay. I think McLaren has had an incredible last half of the season after um, Austria. Once, once Austria hit, they've been on hitting on all cylinders, and they can be pretty proud of the development of that car. I look forward to really challenge next year um, the top three and not be, you know, battling with Aston Martin, but really battling with Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari for a waste. Hopefully, Lando Norris's first win. Yeah, always. It, it's crazy to think that Lando doesn't have a win yet. It's just like everyone thinks he does, but he doesn't. Like, to me, like him and science are on like the same level of skill, and then science already has two wins. And you know, to me, Lando really des- deserves a win more than anyone at this point. 
Yeah, but you got to do it. You know, you got to. He had that one try last year in the rain, and he, he met, or two years ago actually, uh, in the rain, and you know he screwed that one up, and that was his biggest chance so far to win a race. And it just seems like they have the race pace, but I, I think there's just maybe a couple things he can do better racecraft wise to get his first win and like like we say you know it's tough out here in the streets of formula one you got to get a little lucky and things have to go your way and things just don't seem to go lando's way and he's such a great personality for the sport he's i think a a second tier he's in that second tier of great drivers you know first tier obviously is hamilton alonso verstappen and then he's probably i don't know what do you think? I think probably Leclerc is a little bit ahead of Science and Norris. What do you think, PJ? Yeah, I always, this is my order of like top five, right? Or top six. It's like, you know, Max, Lewis, Fernando, and then Charles, Science, Lando. That's that's my like top six. And then Russell's after those guys. So I, I, would, no, I would put Checo and then Russell. You think Checo's, you know what? Here's something controversial. Maybe it may be, it may not. I don't know, but I think that Albon's better than Russell this season. I I totally agree, but over career career wise, Russell is far superior to Albon. But I know if Albon continues this season, like into next season, I won't argue with you with that. In ninth place, Fernando Alonso which is a great recovery for Fernando because he had that spin. No one no one hit him. He just spun it out at the beginning of the race at the start, and he recovered all the way back to ninth. And then his teammate, Mr. Boring, Mr. Bad Interview, Lance Stroll, finished in fifth. And, you know, did you know that Lance started in 19th place? Yeah, him, him and Alcon had, like, the recovery drives of the season this you know this race. He, they impressed. They impressed everybody. But uh, Lance has been, you know, absolutely tragic this year. So to see him to, from go from nineteenth to fifth, that was impressive. That was. I, was it? It was impressive to see him actually pass multiple people on track. But one thing I have to say that he needs to improve on: his interviews are horrible. He always looks like he doesn't want to be there. He always says, uh, and uh, and uh, a lot. And he's always looking away from the camera. He looks just so uncomfortable. Maybe he's, I mean, he's, his dad's a billionaire. Maybe take some classes and get people to start to like you a little bit. Maybe learn from the Lewis Hamilton, like, way of doing interviews. Thank your team. Thank your teammate. Thank the fans for coming out. Smile a bit. You know, flash some pearly whites. I mean, he's probably the worst interview in Formula One. What do you think, PJ? Yeah, he's uh, he interviews like Kimmy, but it's not funny. So. <laughs> Kenny Wu. Is, not Kimmy Kenny. Reichen. Yeah, it's not funny at all. He's nowhere near what Kimmy. Kimmy, his whole <laughs> gimmick was, you know, he doesn't talk, but it was funny because it was like what he does. But, you know, Lance, he's not doing it like that to be funny. No, he's doing it because he's super awkward on camera. I, I think he should have been dropped like three seasons ago, but that's that's just most people think that. But he has these like, you know, super, super low lows, like, you know, Monaco this year, right? And then he has like, 
these ridiculously weird highs that just happen out of nowhere, like Vegas. That's just Lance. That's good knowledge, PJ. Yeah, that sometimes, you know, Mike comes up with these good, he can remember like races from 10 years ago. That's good knowledge, PJ. I like that. I like that a lot. All right. In eighth place, we have Sir Lewis Hamilton in seventh and George. It wasn't my fault, Russell, in eighth place. Uh, Russell was hit with a five-second penalty because he hit uh, Verstappen. He, he said he didn't know that he was there, which I believe no one really had passed on that turn. And Verstappen even said it over the radio. He was laughing. He's like, oh, he didn't expect me to tur- to pass him there. But it's racing. Hamilton had... Not only did he have the 20-second pit stop with the puncture that he got from Piastri, but he had two horrible pit stops. He had one over seven seconds when he had when they're changing the puncture tire. That took seven seconds. And then he had another one almost five seconds. I don't know what it is, but Mercedes cannot consistently. And I don't mean one race. I mean consistent, like three, four, five races in a row be under three-second pit stops for both both Russell and Hamilton. What is going on? Yeah, I don't know what they've done. I don't know if they hired Ferrari, like ex-Ferrari <laughs> people to work their pits or what. Because like th- this year they've been, they've had the worst pit stops on the grid by far. It's not even close, right? Yeah, it's like last year it was definitely Ferrari, but this year it's been all Mercedes. I would build a great wall. I mean... I can't put my finger on it, and I don't understand why Total Wolf's not really cracking the whip where it comes to these pit stops. In my opinion, they're abysmal. If you aren't... See, in in years past, Mercedes was so far ahead that, you know, a five-second pit stop here and there didn't really matter because Hamilton was going to win by 15 seconds, you know, twenty like 20 seconds, so... There was no big deal. But when the margins are thin and every second's counting for you to get up to second or even third place and you have bad pit stops constantly, that's the difference between third and fourth and sixth and seventh. And now Ferrari's caught them and they had such a big lead. One more bad race by George and Ferrari's going to get second with all of their problems, all of their issues. And that I'm if Mercedes finishes third in this season, I'm gonna say that was a bad season for Mercedes, like a horrible season, one to throw away. Yeah, they actually finished third last year because Ferrari actually won like five races last year. Did they win five? Yeah, wait. I think it was five, or was it four? Well, Carlos won one, I think, and I think Charles had won three last year. Yeah, it was only four. Then. Yeah, it was only four. But it's, it's just, without that 20-second puncture, I think Hamilton would have finished on the podium. I mean, he finished seventh. His pace was phenomenal. He was, I mean, usually Alonzo gives him, there was one part of the race where he was behind Alonzo, and Alonzo usually gives him trouble, obviously, because Fernando's Fernando, man, he, he he just set Fernando up, and once once he made the move, it was bye bye, and he was gone. And I was like, oh, Ham is on one today. 
Yeah, Lewis this year has had just amazing race pace. Like, I mean, he always has amazing race pace, but like, you know, he's people always say he's like struggles in the midfield, which is kind of true, but he his race pace is just out of this world. Like, there's a reason why he dominated for seven years or besides 2016, but you know. He was even dominant that year, and it was if it wasn't for that damn uh, reliability. Remember when he had to park the car? I think it was either a Saudi or Adenabi. Uh, he would have won. Yeah, and and, but, uh, and of course, you know they had to change the garage for you know Hamilton's garage members went to Rosberg, and Rosberg's members went to Hamilton. So they had to do everything they can within their powers for Rosberg to win that year. Yeah, then he retired, so it was like some kind of deal, or whatever. I don't know, but uh, I remember, I like back flashback to twenty twenty one. Like I, I wanted Max to actually win that so bad because I was so everyone was so bored of Mercedes domination. Mm-hmm. But then now I'm like, get in there, Lewis. Like I want Lewis to win. It's it's funny how that flip flops. Well, I just want him to get his eighth, and I think if he got, I think if he had a one in twenty twenty one, he probably would have retired. You know? Yeah, that's true. And I don't think I think the FIA is so one we know they're getting as corrupt as uh, soccer or English football or European football. They seem to be doing some things that are pretty uh, not too uh, above the board, especially when we all know the ground effect cars of this Red Bull is probably illegal. But you know they didn't do anything about it, and when they do something about it, it's always quiet. It's always behind closed doors, like they did with Ferrari. With the illegal engine in uh, 2018, you know, we find him, we talk to him behind closed doors. Then all of a sudden, the Ferrari went from, you know, vying for race wins to like fifth, sixth, like within within one one week. And it was because they had a legal engine. And I, I also think there's something going on with this Red Bull call and the ground effects. And there's they don't care because they want Max to win. Yeah, it's. It's the FIA. I just sometimes I wonder, like, what are they thinking in there? It's like it's they make it like so obvious at this point that Red Bull is like paying them off or they're biased towards Red Bull or what? Because this this race with you know in Vegas when he yeah. blatantly pushed Charles off the track to pass him, and then they just like they like oh they said no penalty like for a while to like wait for him to get ahead, and like oh wait we're gonna give you a five second penalty after like it doesn't matter anymore. It was like what? Yeah, I think on that one, they should have had them switch positions. I, I thought for sure that, okay, Max is going to give this position back because it was so obvious that he pushed him off. And I know it's the first corner, and usually in the first corner, they say it's a racing incident. But in this case, it wasn't. He he, he pushed him right off, and he knew exactly what he was doing because remember last week, last race, Max weaved to the left and then he weaved to the right to keep the lead. So this is what he does. He's going to it's either I'm going to go into the first corner in first or we're going to crash. That's how he is. And because he don't care. What does he care? I wish somebody would let him crash into him and then we could get somebody else to win these damn races. Yeah, like he. The FIA is just completely in his pocket, and he knows it. So, like, he doesn't care. He'll do whatever he wants. In seventh place, the Ferrari boys. We had, well, actually, in sixth place, we had Carlos Sainz in sixth, who had a good recovery. And we had Charles Leclerc 
even though he didn't win, he came in second. Probably his best showing of the year, in my opinion. He had such great race pace. They didn't screw up his strategy for once. They had good tire selection. Everything fell into place. He just had bad luck, as he always says. Like he said last, is he the unluckiest guy on the grid? 100% agree. He has no luck at all. I mean, he... Yeah, he definitely has had the worst luck out of anyone so far in Formula One, like in modern Formula One. Like he's had, he's never won his home Grand Prix due to all kinds of bad luck. He had his hydraulics fail in Brazil last last race, and then this race he gets pushed off track. Then he gets safety car at the worst possible moment. He just the guy needs to catch a break, but the universe doesn't want him to. Yeah. I don't, you know, did you know that Charles has tied the record for 12 straight pole positions without a win? The guy, I think his, he's had 24 pole positions in his career, and he only has five wins. Usually, the conversion for pole to wins is probably like 85 to 90%. But when it comes to Charles Leclerc, I mean, it just, I mean, he's fast over that one lap. And then it's either strategy. And sometimes, hey, let's admit it. Sometimes he, Charles makes some mistakes. But I just feel so bad for the guy. I root for Ferrari because they just make so many mistakes. They're so they're like the, the team that can't. And I want them to so bad. I want them to win so bad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure science has a better pull to win conversion ratio than than Charles does. Oh, 100%. Which is really sad. But Charles, to me, he has the best, like, most amount of talent with the with the worst luck. Like, he has the that combination. Like, he really has what it takes for a world champion, in my, in my opinion. But then he just, everything's against him. His own team, himself, and then, of course, Max. I, I really think that these guys, other than Lewis, because Lewis doesn't treat anybody with kid gloves. At first, he did with... Max, and then he finally realized, look, if he's going to uh, do that and he's going to crash into me, let him crash into me. I'm not I'm not giving. Especially you saw that at Silverstone in 21 where he finally just said, hey, I don't care. This is my corner and I'm I'm taking the corner back. And I think that's what people have to do with Max. They, they're always relenting. They're always like scared to crash. You know, I don't want to crash. You know what? If he's going to say you get out of my way, sometimes you got to say no. You get out of my way. And if we crash, oh well. Yeah, Lewis, whenever Lewis and Max get into a battle, it's no matter what happens, it's always a crash. Like it's just because Lewis doesn't is like the only driver that's not afraid of him. So that's why they always crash. Cause like Max's game is like, oh, I'm gonna either we're gonna do this or we're gonna crash. And that's what that's what happens. You know, the, what I didn't like at the end of the race and they're taking their pictures, you know, this is before they get into the Max podcast, you know, which he's always there. So they did this time they did the Max podcast in the Rolls Royce around the track, which was kind of cool, actually. But they're taking pictures. Charles is in the middle. You have Perez on one side and Max was on the other side. Max looks at him basically like saying, hey, I need to be in the middle. And they switch positions. So Max goes into the middle for the photo, and then Charles goes to the outside. Like I was like, Charles, have some balls, man. Be like, it's just a picture. I'm standing right here. What difference does it make? You know? 
Yeah, Charles, one thing he really needs to fix is he needs to stand up to his own team because, like, science will go on the radio and, like, you know, actually stand up to them, like, hey, we're doing this, we're doing that, like, forget this. But Charles will just agree. Like, the team will go, oh, we are checking or whatever they do. And he's like, yep. <laughs> and then, like, science will go, like, oh, no, we pit when I say we pit. Like, he's, I think he said that this year. Yeah, not only is he said that we'll pit when I say we pit, but you're telling me to, to turn off the car? I'm not doing it. I'm not overheating. Just... He didn't even, he just like almost ignored him. He's like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's, science has better, he may not, he doesn't have as good of a pace as Charles, but he has better racecraft, uh, like strategy and racecraft. But Charles just needs to, to learn that, to like just disobey the team because the Ferrari doesn't know what they're doing half the time. So he I, needs to realize that. I've been saying all year that Carlos Sainz is the most disrespected guy on the grid. This guy can drive. This guy's good with strategy. I think he has good race pace. I think he has good awareness of what's around him and what's going on in the race like Alonzo does. Like Alonzo's like watching the monitors and he's still talking on on the radio and still driving at the same time. I just think Carlos is that guy. I but they really want they want to push Charles. I get it. I get it. He's fast over one lap. He's a good-looking kid. I'm sure he brings in a lot of money for a Ferrari. But Carlos Sainz, man, guy, I, he deserves to be a number one on his own team. I really do believe that. I think he would have that if he joined Audi. But like, I think he'd have a better. He actually, has a better chance of winning the title with Ferrari. I mean, like, if it comes down to a title fight between him and Leclerc, I think. It's it'd be really close to call, but I almost feel like Science's consistency and like less accident prone and even his, you know, better intelligence might actually take him to the top. I agree with that one hundred percent, PJ. I really do think that if there became a battle between Carlos and Leclerc, I think Carlos would come out ahead. I really do. I think if they gave those guys the car, I just think Carlos is just he he's a his mindset is better his race craft is better the only thing he needs to really improve on i think is his qualifying pace that's where charles has him and charles actually i i would say charles right now is probably one of the best qualifiers on the grid considering what ferrari gives him you know if he had the red bull car no one else no one else would qualify ahead of him no one that no. that'd be it no one but even now Carlos's qualifying is actually really good. It's just not as good as the clear. All the way in fourth place. Esteban Ocon. And his partner, Gasly, unfortunately finished in 11th. He was up there. He was he was fourth for pretty much a good part of the race. And for whatever reason, they had him. They tried to have him go too long on those hards, and he just wore the tires off, and he dropped like a rock. I mean, at one minute they were telling Ocon the whole position because I think it was uh, fifth for Gasly, and it was sixth for Ocon at that time of the race. And you could hear over the radio they said whole position, and then literally two, three seconds later, Ocon passes ghastly and he was gone and then ghastly just got passed by everybody and their mama yeah i think like akon in a similar vein as science is like criminally underrated and disrespected like i think akon is the most disrespected driver on the grid like people do not like him at all but i think he's i think he's extremely talented like super underrated 
Yeah, I don't know what it is about Esteban that people don't like. I mean, he's one of the taller guys on on the grid. I don't know if it's that his English, his English seems to be pretty good. It just doesn't seem like, you know what it is? It just doesn't seem like he's having fun out there. Like Gasly, I like Gasly. Like a lot of people don't like Gasly, you know, whatever. I like Gasly. I think he's a good driver. He has a good personality. I like to, I like listening to him on the radio. He seems to enjoy his job. Ocon, it just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like he's enjoying it, man. And what I say about all these guys are in the midfield, you don't know how long it's going to last. Enjoy it while you can. Be nice. Look, smile. Just take it all in. It looks just looks like it's a job for him, you know? Yeah, he, people. The main reason people don't like Alcon is because uh, his attitude towards his teammates has been like really poor in the past. Another thing, like he likes to, he fought with Fernando, he fought with Checo. Uh, he kind of got beat down by Daniel, but in the past, he just treats his teammates like you know, like dog crap, and that's that's why people just don't like him because of his attitude. Yeah, in third place. Checo ole, 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 Perez man Checo just woke up these last two races like he just came through at one moment of the race he was leading and he, I told everybody who I was sitting with I was like well he's leading for now but I'm pretty sure Max is going to pass him <laughs> I was like I'm pretty sure even though Checo is Mr. Street Race I was like, yeah, it's not going to last long. And it didn't. And he did pass Leclerc. That was a great move by Checo. But he just, the tires kind of went off at the end. And, you know, the pace, Charles had really good pace near the end of that race. And he, he got him at the right spot. And where everybody was passing, I think it was, it might have been turn, was it turn 17? I think he got him right, right near the end. Is that right, PJ? Yeah, it was the last corner before the main straight. It was like right at the last second. Um, yeah, I remember watching Charles just go for it at the last lap. That was like an unbelievable move. But sometimes, like Checo, like I watch him. This is not the first time he's done this. He just seems like he falls asleep at the wheel sometimes. Like, he, <laughs> like when, when he's leading, like whenever a safety car, or like something happens, he's ladies always, and gentlemen, like, has such a slow reaction. And he gets caught out, like, caught out by that a lot. <laughs> yeah, he does. It, it does seem like sometimes he just has lapses. Matter of fact, you know, when Charles passed him um, before that, not not on the last lap, but before that, I think he had ch- passed him on like lap 15, like with 15 laps left or something like that. It was almost like he misshifted because he had Charles came from so far back. I was thinking maybe he had a mischief because usually the Ferrari wouldn't catch a Red Bull coming from that far back. And the only way that could happen is if there was something wrong with on the steering wheel, like he didn't press the right button or he misshifted or something had to happen. And I just think it was just a lapse in concentration. Checo is such an inconsistent driver. Like he has these just like amazing performances like top top like schumacher lewis fernando performances right like uh what was it bahrain 2020 singapore last year you know like just these incredible performances then he has these like long bouts of just like getting knocked out in q1 q2 like all these just 
super, super terrible performances. And like, he just needs to find a middle ground. Like, if he could just consistently get P3, P2, he just will, Red Bull will never want to get rid of him. I think him finishing second in the championship really is boosted, obviously boosted his confidence, but more, more than that, he, his fan base travels well. I've been to three races this year, Austria, Monza, and now Vegas. And at each and every race, Checo's fan base is probably one of the louder fan bases there is. What I love is they all get together and they sing these Checo songs and, you know, they have drums and stuff like that, like it's a soccer match. But he sells a lot of merchandise. And Red Bull, in my opinion, would be a fool to get rid of Checo, even though it it works out on their matrix. Because if they bring up Ricardo to drive for Red Bull, then Lawson gets the AlphaTauri seat, and then Checo either retires. That would be perfect for Lawson getting him in his seat. It would be perfect for Red Bull because Daniels is probably really, really popular. I'd probably say he's probably the third or fourth most popular uh, guy on the grid. Obviously, it's Lewis first, and believe it or not, Yuki Sonoda is very popular. Probably Max second, and then Yuki Sonoda is third because Yuki's everybody's second favorite driver. And and then probably Ricardo is probably fourth, or f- I, I would say, as as far as popularity, like people know him. He was on the Tonight Show here in America. He's he's a popular person. He he's a good personality. He's always smiling. He's very cheeky and laughing. And he looks like he enjoys his job. Yeah, Daniel is is such a gamble though if they were to bring him on to Red Bull. Like we have no idea how good he really is right now. Like sure he in Mexico he he was amazing. Like I thought man if he can continue doing performances like that he'll be in red bull in no time but like we don't know if daniel still like got that mclaren you know curse with him because he was just awful you know in mclaren last oh, he was year. awful awful yeah. lack of focus but you know i think sometimes if you have a dog car it's hard to probably get motivated when you've been in really good cars you know like that's why i'm saying I think Lewis has been so phenomenal this year because the car's not that great. He's definitely outperforming the car. But to keep the motivation up, even Fernando commented on that earlier in the year. He said, you know, Lewis has, he's an inspiration to all of us because even when his car is bad, he's still very positive. He's still always pushing. And I don't think a lot of guys can do that. Yeah, Lewis has the best mindset on the grid. Like last year, I can tell he was a bit defeated after, you know, what happened. And just the car was terrible. But this year, he's just been absolutely amazing. Like he's, he's been racing. He has super good pace, super good attitude, just super positive. Like if next year, if they give him the car, I expect him to beat Max. Like, I, like yeah, he deserves the eighth at this point. You know, it's because how positive he's been. He just, he needs that eighth title. The unbelievable, unstoppable, Super Max Verstappen in first place. Getting his 53rd win of his young career. The man's amazing. The man is unbeatable. He's just not that likable, is he, PJ? Yeah, he's just like a robot. You know, he 
he eats and sleeps racing. That's all he does. And when he's done racing, he goes home and gets on the video game and starts racing. Like that's 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 all he does. But he just has his. He just doesn't really have a great attitude. He's just not the, like the most likable driver. He's just really like he's really cocky. But you know, I mean, you can't blame him because he's won every single race. I mean, who wouldn't be cocky? I mean. Yeah, so like next year, if and also whenever something goes wrong, he gets super butthurt. Like in Singapore, and then like I think Singapore two years in a row, he had it. He threw a fit. Um, a hissy fit. Yeah. And I expect if next year if someone gives him trouble, I expect him to throw an absolute tantrum every single race. So doesn't matter who it is, Charles, Science, Lewis, whatever. If someone gives him trouble, he's going to be very upset. Yeah, I, he's the type that if he had the car like Aston Martin's car or Ferrari's car or maybe even a McLaren's car, I think he'd be he's that type of guy who probably would think about quitting. Yeah, I agree. I think like if what like it, it shows like this year when the the Red Bull hasn't been like perfect, which has been like one race, he threw an absolute fit and was super upset. So if he had like Aston Martin's car went from the second best car to like the fifth best car, he would have just threatened to retire. He would have just like had no motivation. But like the guys won eighteen times or is it nineteen? It's I think it's nineteen. Yeah, because Checo won two, and then Science won one, and it's been twenty two races so far. So it's been nineteen. Can you imagine every time you get in a car, there's a 98% chance you're going to win? That, I mean, that just must be cloud nine. To me, that would, that would get boring after a while. Like, I don't know how he's satisfied with just getting in, starting from either second or first, and just taking off and winning by 30 seconds every single week. Like, don't you? I think you would want to like duel someone every race because that's what like, I would want to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think without those safety cars, that two, the two safety cars that came out, you know who would else would have done a lot better was Sonoda. I mean, he he had a great start, and he was on him and Stroll were on the soft tires, and they made up like ten positions right off the bat, and then all of a sudden they put on those hards, and man, that pace just was nowhere to be found for that AlphaTauri, and I really was hoping that these last couple of races, like Daniel and uh, Yuki would have good showings in these last couple of races, but it just shows how bad that car is. Yeah, Daniel was, like, non-existent in this race. Like, I don't, I don't even remember. Like, I saw him, like, once when Sides was passing. and That was the only time I saw him. And then uh, Yuki, you know, he had a mechanical issue, but he, you know, he could have possibly gotten points, but... He's he's been like to me. Yuki's had a really good season this year, but he still has those like signature Yuki Sonoda races where he just like is nowhere or like makes a stupid mistake. Yeah, I think that'll come more with just a tad bit more experience, and also, I mean, he's experienced now. I mean, this is his third, what fourth season, third season. So you can't say that he doesn't have experience yet. He is the most. Uh, at this point, he's the senior Japanese driver in Formula One history. So he's had the most races out of any Japanese driver in Formula One history. So I think 
the maturity level of Yuki needs to improve. I mean, he's still pretty young, but his blowups on are, are legendary over the radio. I, I just think sometimes he has to come to that realization that Max had. Like, I don't have to win it on the first lap. Hey, I'm 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 in sixth place right now. I don't need to do anything. Let's just get points for the team. I think sometimes he takes passes and chances where he doesn't need to and just take the points, man. You're not your your car's not, you know, a Grand Prix winning car right now. It's a point scoring car. Maybe, you know, maybe it's 10th, maybe it's ninth. That's probably the highlight and the best that that car could do. So when you're in those positions to score points, man, just relax and score the points. Don't don't push it too much. You know, just take take what the track has given you. Yeah, we, we've seen him actually, you know, like do that a couple times this this season where he's like made an unnecessary risk. Like with Oscar in Mexico, that's a classic example. Yeah, yeah. Now, now that we've talked about the race, what was the fan experience like here in Las Vegas? Well, Usually you go to the race and they have a fan zone, right? So in the fan zone, this is a general area where all the fans who bought tickets can go. Usually you can watch. They have cars like old vintage cars. Then also have cars from yesteryear in Formula One. Uh, They'll have multiple, multiple booths. Like each team will have their own booth. Ferrari will have a booth. Red Bull will have a booth. And you could buy merchandise just from each team. And then they'll also have like you know, a car, a podium you can stand on, hold the trophy. They'll have a car that you can take pictures of that usually that 2030 um, car where they're talking about, oh, we're going to be, you know, fuel efficient. And no one cares about that. I don't know why they keep talking about that, but no one cares. But anyhow, then they'll have the food court at this one. If you had tickets for one zone, You couldn't go into another zone. There was no centralized fan zone. Each zone had their own small fan zone. In our zone, there was only one store, okay, which was problematic. The food was free. The drinks were free. That was okay. Uh, They had a big screen. That was okay. They had one DJ. But if you were in another zone, they had musical acts. And that zone, you had to pay like $500 more. So at Austin, everybody who has a three-day ticket can go to the concerts. I think this was too much of a like pay-for-play pay type of situation where they didn't really think about the fans. And especially you could see that in practice one where it was only eight minutes and they had the fans sitting and waiting and they didn't inform them. And finally they kicked all the fans out and then they started practice one at like four in the morning, which was insane, which was insane, but they didn't apologize. What they came out and said was basically, Hey, these type of things happen. It happens when you go to concerts. So this type of thing happened here and you know, best of luck to everybody. But there was no apology. I heard, through the grapevine that they gave some people who had only Thursday tickets $200 worth a voucher for merchandise, which is when you consider that some of those people probably paid $800 or to $1,200 just for one day. That's not cool. They should have just gave them their money back. For us people who had three-day tickets, how come I don't get a voucher? Part of Formula One, that day is gone. 
I don't get a voucher. I, it was freaking one thirty in the morning, man, and they told you to go home. So what about all those people? You know, Formula One, the most important thing is the fans. Without the fans, there's no spectacle. Without the fans, there's no money. You have to think about the fans a lot more. Can you chime in on that, PJ? Yeah, I've never, I've never been to for the one race, so I can't really speak from experience. But the fans, like they don't. Formula One will pretend to care about the fans, but they really just care about the money. Yeah, one hundred percent. They just care about the money because that f- what feeds the cash cow and Liberty Media is making money hand over fist. You should see all the merchandise that people are buying at these races, and some of these sweatshirts. Literally, the the new Ferrari sweatshirt that Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc were wearing. That shirt or that sweatshirt was two hundred and sixty dollars. Two hundred and sixty dollars for a sweatshirt. Now. The sweatshirt's not made of silver. The sweatshirt's not made of gold. And it's definitely not made of platinum. What the hell kind of sweatshirt costs $260? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, any, any, anything promoted by Liberty, Liberty Media will, will cost $260 or more, right? But yeah, I just, it's it's so obvious when they, uh, you know, they, they care about the money whenever they promote races like Vegas, Saudi, Abu Dhabi, Qatar, Bahrain, right? You know, um, they they like to always talk about how they only race at S grade circuits, but then they approve circuits like Saudi and Vegas that are like barely working. You know, like um, there's like tons of tracks in the U.S. they could have raced that instead. Oh, Watkins Watton, Glen would be awesome. Glen, Indy, like even like tracks like Laguna Seca or like Sonoma would be better, but like those are not S grade circuits. Right. Or like even Daytona, but then they just go race at a track with loose fanhole covers. So, But the one thing was, is that the race made up after the race, they, you know, they had music and they had the fireworks. But all, the other thing I didn't like is usually at most tracks, the track opens at 830 in the morning and you can hang out all day. There's all these things to do. A lot of the tracks have like rides for your kids and like I said, there's a nice fan zone. They'll, they'll have a huge uh, area where you can just sit out and relax and soak in the ambiance of Formula One. Then you can get food and you can listen to music all day. And at this track, it was so spread out that they had individual things in, in like individual hotels, which I thought was dumb because if you're not staying at that hotel, you wouldn't know what was there. Um, you could go to on this app, and that's another thing. I, everyone's on the apps. Every Your experience is on the app. You don't even get tickets anymore. Some people like to keep the tickets as a keepsake. Some people actually like to buy the program. The programs sell out every time you can buy one. Why don't you have a program at every race? Every race should have a program. Every race should give hard tickets. And, you know, not everybody has a cell phone, believe it or not. And what if your battery dies? Now your your tickets are on your phone, so you got to make sure your your phone is charged. But what are you, you're looking at the phone to get to the race, to get to the part of the race where you need to enter the track, so you have to have your phone. And if people are giving you the wrong directions and your phone dies, now you don't have your tickets. So that's stupid. I still have concert tickets 
from the 70s and the 80s when I went to concerts. Why? Because they were cool. And they had the name of the band that I went to see on on the ticket, and I wanted to keep it. People go to their first race. You don't think that people wanted the first Las Vegas Grand Prix ticket as a keepsake? No, let's just take a screenshot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would I would totally love to just to have that on my wall. You know, like a paper ticket. But they don't do that anymore. And they should. You know, COVID's over. Get over it. And stop always having QR codes for everything and making everything digital. Some people just like to read it and hold it. It'd be great on the plane home. It'd be great to show your friends when your friends come over the house and you have it on your coffee table. These are there are other considerations other than everything being digital. OK, so stop it. Just stop it. Well, PJ. This has been awesome. You've been a great standing for Mike. I mean, just think. You were just here as a guest, and now you get to co-host the show, the Las Vegas Grand Prix Review Show, America F1, with our special guest, special co-host today, was PJ Feminia. PJ, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, We thank you for standing in for Mike. I think you did such a good job. Obviously, we're going to have to have you back. We'll have you on the next show when Mike is in studio and then all three of us can be uh, on the next show together. I think you did an outstanding job and thanks so much. That's all. Thanks. Everybody, tune in. Next show is Saudi Arabia Grand Prix, America. Abu Dhabi. Oh, is it Abu Dhabi? Abu Dhabi. Did I say that right? Mike always makes fun of me when I pronounce that. Can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing. All right.